We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, continuing our coverage of the best sitcom bracket. You want to do the round two voting? Make your voice heard and get into a draw for like 100 bucks as well, just by voting and retweeting, of course. It's all on Twitter. You can find the link down in the description that brings you directly to the voting. The more votes we get, the better it's going to go probably, or maybe not. Maybe the more votes we get, the worse it's going to go. Who knows? Anyway, go cast your vote in the best sitcom bracket because we are into round two, so smash the like and sub to Mayo Media Network or the audio podcast or both. While you're here, Gary and Thorne is on the line with me right now. It's been a while since Hello. It's, it's been a while since you and I had one-on-one time. It's always me, you, and someone else. Not, not today, just you and I. It's true. It's probably been, I don't know, Half decade or so. So yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk some TV. We'll we'll have a nice little sesh here. Back uh, back in the days of hey, I need a show. Hey, Gary, and do you want to jump in the booth with me to knock out today's show? Like that would probably be the last time that we did something like that. Yeah. Um. And God, fantasy was what at least five years ago. I think I I got reminded. I don't know, a couple of weeks ago that it was the nine year anniversary of the first day of fantasy. So it it has been some uh, some time. Well, I can tell you, I left fantasy basically the day after I got married, which was in 2017. So I've been gone from there for six years doing my own thing. There you go. So, okay, it's been longer than I even assumed. Well, you stayed for like another year. Yeah, I did. Worked real hard. AKA, it lasted another year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's talk about this because the results are in from round one. I think everything kind of went exactly how... We thought that it was going to go. And we're going to talk about notable omissions today because I know that a lot of people were very triggered by it. Again, I didn't make the bracket. At Sia Nijad on Twitter made the bracket. He is also of CBS and golf and football and all of that fun stuff. So harass him if you don't like it because we're going to have to do some nitpicks. We, If you missed any of the other bracket shows, we broke down each of the regions in full. So I guess that's what I'm going to talk to you about first. What would be your final four of this particular bracket? And again, you can find this bracket uh, pinned to my Twitter page. So if you just want to go pull it up, you can do that right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I, I'll give him credit. I, I know some people with these uh, pop culture exercises, uh, you'll have like the older demographic come in and say, well, this is this is more of like a best sitcom of the 2000s bracket to me. Um, I can see where the effort was put in to maybe include some, some classic sitcoms. I'll, I'll admit I've never watched Silver Spoons <laughs> or anything like that. But um, yeah, look, I, I think... The West is tough. Uh, there's there's definitely some heavy hitters, um, but I think Seinfeld probably has to be the one that prevails. 
and I think based on the means of voting, the, the Twitter voting, uh, Seinfeld's a popular enough show on Twitter, very popular show on Twitter, I would say, uh, that I, I have a lot of confidence that's going to be the one that goes through. Um, the East, definitely interesting. Um, I think, unfortunately, again, just based on sheer popularity, uh, the office is probably going to roll. Uh, that's kind of just what it does. Although I will be very interested to see the inevitable family guy versus the office kind of breakdown. Um, those two shows in terms of just gifts I see all the time on Twitter, uh, really, really high in the demographic. I would even say like, God, on like Instagram, I see a lot of family guy clips for some reason. I don't even watch family guys. So it's, it's, it's still just one of those shows, I guess that's entering its, I don't know, 20, 25th season. Um, Martin being on here is very fun. I enjoy that. Um, but yeah, I would say to me, 30 Rock should win the bracket. Uh, I think the office will probably uh, end up beating Family Guy and take that one. Midwest, I mean, I can't believe Arrested Development was a 10 seed. I'm, I'm sure you guys got into that. <laughs> it's hilarious that like there's a second round matchup between two and a half men in Home Improvement fantastic haven't really thought about either of those shows in forever uh curb would obviously be very high on the list for me in that particular regard i'm sure friends will do very well uh but arrested development or i i mean i'm probably the biggest community fan on this podcast uh that you've ever had i i love community but even i can't have community above like arrested development um I like it more than Curb, but that's only just because I happen to watch it a lot more than I watch Curb. Curb is a better show. I, I can admit that. And then in the South, man, it's probably probably just going to be South Park, I would think. Um, it's Always Sunny has a special place in my heart, obviously. Um, no, you know what? The Simpsons is going to win. Sorry, I, I, I overlooked The Simpsons. The Simpsons should win anyway. Um, although now we're getting into a weird territory, I guess, where they've almost lapped themselves in terms of quality episodes. I mean, I, I can't really speak too much to the last 12, 13, 14 years of the Simpsons. I'm sure there are people out there who like it. I, I it's probably not bad. Um, but I guess the totality of the Simpsons is a little different than maybe cherry picking your top 10 seasons of the Simpsons. So, you know, if someone wants to maybe knock it for that, I can understand it. But The Simpsons should probably win that bracket. See, that's, I mean, I had The Simpsons win the entire thing because I chose to cherry pick. Basically, if you're going to go seasons two through ten, then it's the best show that's probably ever been on TV. I can't really speak to anything beyond that because that's when I, well, I mean, I watched it beyond that. And then I was like, yeah, this is really going downhill. I'm going to tune tune it out at this point. And I have no idea if there's like season 27 was like, hey, what a rebound season from The Simpsons. It doesn't feel like it matters at this point because when people talk about The Simpsons, and maybe this is just in the collection of people who grew up with Simpsons in syndication that did give up on it at a certain point that hey, it was just so formative and what your sense of humor becomes moving on and the influence that you see on the other shows. Like, I, I think that when you look at it, like the Simpsons had a defining impact on how some of these other shows were made, even something like community, for example, and yeah. 30 rock. Like, I think those are just the direct products. I mean, obviously they're live action, but they're cartoony in a weird kind of way with the pace of jokes per second. Arrested development is kind of like some sort of weird hybrid between Seinfeld and the Simpsons in which it delivers its jokes. Then you have sort of like the friends spinoffs, like how I met your mother is just a clear derivative of friends. I like how I met your mother better than friends. Uh, and there's, when we talk about emissions, I think that there is a better version of both those shows that no one watched that, I would have moving along the way, but like those three are so formative. Like Frasier is kind of on a standalone as the one seed, but going into this, one of the big questions that we had when we talked about the bracket was, what are you going to pick versus what do you think is going to win? Like Frasier has zero chance of winning this, although I would have it against 30 Rock and then I would have a really tough decision. I think I went with Frasier over 30 Rock, but those are two of my favorite shows. Like King of the Hill lost in the first round to Eastbound yeah. and Down. I love Eastbound and Down, but like I just really think the King of the Hill is a better show. I would agree. Uh, I think longevity, again, like King of the Hill, it's it's coming back. I know everything's coming back, <laughs> but it, it does definitely speak to um, the cultural resonance it still has. I think the fact that Mike Judge has had this very nice run 
of always having something, uh, even if it is a little culty, the fact that cult is now sort of the mainstream, like, or maybe I should say that there isn't really a mainstream, especially for television. You sort of just have whatever cult thing pops up for two weeks. You know, you have your squid game and everyone's obsessed with it for three weeks and then you just forget about it entirely. Um, a lot of these television properties in particular don't have the staying power of some of these older shows. So maybe that's why they're starting to draw back on some of these things that have just been running in syndication forever, uh, like King of the Hill has. But um, I think King of the Hill is fantastic. And I think the Simpsons thing is interesting. It's it's sort of like uh, this comparison or this this thought gets thrown around a lot with SNL, where it's like the three years you watched SNL in college are the best three years of SNL. You, you won't hear anything different. You won't hear... Um, that a cast was better or that sketches were funnier, et cetera, et cetera. The Simpsons isn't like that. And I think that's that's what it speaks to when we talk about the declining quality of it. Or or maybe, again, it's just a, a byproduct of a changing sort of way that we ingest culture and media. But, you know, there aren't people out there saying like, oh, man, season 26 to 32 of the Simpsons. Like that's when it really hits for me and my generation. Like, I don't think the generation younger than us cares at all about the Simpsons, or at least cares at all about watching it live and interacting with it live. If they do care about it, it's because someone older than them that they respect probably told them, Hey, you have to go back and watch the first, well, not the first nine seasons or 10 seasons, but like season two to season 10 of the Simpsons. And that's the stuff people are still interacting with. So it doesn't even have that sort of like generational change that we see with some of these like institution shows. It's pretty much just renowned that you can kind of stop watching after season 10 or, you know, even if you make it to like season 13, whatever, you can kind of tap out at a certain point. Have you been watching Succession at all? No. Okay. Um, because it's it's odd. That's one of those shows. I, I swear I've watched the pilot four times. Yeah. And the, I know it's great. The pilot's not good is the problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 the problem I'm encountering. I I will end up watching it one day. So it's ending. I mean, there's going to be no succession spoilers on this, but the fact that it's ending and they've chosen to end it after four seasons is only going to help it in the long run. Because the longer these shows goes go on, that you know, just the more you have to pick apart. Because eventually, you're only going to have so much quality jammed into you know over the course of whatever it is. Like if you have eighty percent great episodes, once you get to season ten, you can start picking out like, hey, here are thirty bad episodes of this show just from the amount of time that it's on. Four seasons, you know, that's nice and trim. You can really tell the story you wanted to tell. It doesn't seem like there's any fluff. If anything, people will end up wanting more of it. And I mean, I love Succession and. Now people are talking about like, oh yeah, you know, it's up there with Breaking Bad and Mad Men and Sopranos of like the best prestige shows of the past 20 years. But in all reality, and I, this is going to feel like a dig, but I don't mean it as a dig. It's just fancy entourage. <laughs> you know what? I, again, so I haven't watched it, but obviously I'm, I'm online enough where I sort of get the vibe of succession and uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. I could definitely see that. Um, it's definitely a, let's just hang out. It's, it's escapism. I mean, so many of these shows are escapism and that was the thing with Entourage was it's, it's just entering you into a world of high finance and luxury. They've just taken, you know, a more white collar approach to it. I, I think that's a, that's a pretty apt comparison. Yeah, well, it's it somehow, uh, if you were to combine two HBO shows to get Succession, you would get Entourage. And if Entourage had ended after four seasons, people would remember Entourage much better than they do now. I, I almost included it in the list of, sh I mean, you asked me to send you some snubs. Um, I, I almost put it on there just, just to, even as a talking point. I mean, it's a show that I'll, I, I watched every episode at one point in my life. I, I don't think I've ever watched them again. But, you know, it, it was entertaining. It it served the exact purpose and filled the exact demographic needs HBO wanted it to fill. And or not HBO. What was it? Stars or Bravo or? No, it was it was HBO. I can't even remember now. What oh, was it HBO? Okay. 
Yeah. Um, it had that HBO yeah, was, production quality. And that's where Succession really makes a leap. Like, the production quality is so good. And the acting is just beyond everything. The writing is much better, too. Like, it's a much better show. But it's the same sort of vibe. And the way that you like it is the way that people used to like Entourage. But it is, I wouldn't say it's a more serious show because it is pretty funny. But it has the sense, it's, it's like Entourage in that way where you get a look at this, like, rich person world. But it has the comedic sensibility of Veep where everything is just the meanest thing possible. Right. Because I know for a while, I feel like Succession and, and people were sort of lumping that together with Billions, which I almost feel like Billions is maybe more closely the spiritual father figure of Entourage. Yeah, you know what? That's a really good call. I, I would say, yeah, because that's that's a more popcorny fluff show like Entourage was, mm-hmm. where uh, it, it's not like uh, they're Joe Bluth in the Magician's Alliance. They... It's not that they demand to be taken seriously, but people do take the show very seriously. Although, at its heart, it's just a mean-spirited comedy. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, that was even an interesting thing when kind of determining what a sitcom is nowadays. Um, Because, again, I'm not 100% sure that I can speak for, like, the populace when I say something like this, but... It really does feel like the network sitcom is extinct. Um, you know, when when thinking about what currently even constitutes a sitcom or or what we could even begin to talk about as like a representation of the 2020s uh, for a list like this, the only show I could come up with was Abbott Elementary. Um, and even that, I feel like you know, that's, it's again, this sort of like, well, people ingest it online. They, 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 you know, DVR it or, or what have you, but like, what is nuts and bolts a sitcom? I mean, half of this list, you could probably just, or have this bracket, you could just say, okay, what was the Thursday night lineup on NBC and work backwards from there? We don't have that anymore. So in a weird way, like succession, it might even count as like this era's version of a sitcom is because it's obviously not a sitcom, but it's, it's a drama that is quite funny. Um, and the way people watch these shows now, I, I just don't know how many more like quote unquote sitcoms we're going to actually have breakthrough. I'm trying to think of the last quote unquote sitcom that resonated, that seemed to be pretty popular on network. And the only thing I can really stretch my mind to, you say Abbott elementary, but like, I've never seen a second of that show. Not to say that I'm, you know, the barometer of any of this, but it's just hard to get that much traction. Like Ted Lasso was on Apple Plus. Well, that is a critically adored show. People really seem to like it. How many people actually watch it on Apple Plus? I have no idea. I'm guessing not a ton. But The Good Place is the one that kind of sticks out to me. I would say The Good Place or, I mean, Brooklyn Nine-Nine ran forever. And so it came I, back. I think there were... Yeah, I think there were seasons of Brooklyn Nine-Nine as recently as, like, 2021. Um, but again, that's just an offshoot of Michael Schur. So it, it's basically, aside from Michael Schur, I don't know how many people have churned out a culturally relevant sitcom in quite some time. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely, like, a dying industry, it feels like. Or it's a changing industry in the sense that people don't want a 22-minute show with a laugh track and that's honestly a lot of what sitcoms were for 50 years yeah the laugh track is one thing but it's funny that you mentioned the 22 minute show because i just started watching the revival of party down which is you know on the snub list of shows that should be on this because it's fucking hilarious but it's they're all like 28 minutes 27 minutes 29 minutes and you can just bang through them. That's why I enjoyed yeah. Veep so much. That like you just bang through Veep, boom, 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 and that's what the best com. I mean, that's one of the main reasons why. I mean, Breaking Bad was that sort of show that left you on a cliffhanger, and Lost was that kind of show before it. But in the streaming era, when Friends became super popular, and then on top of that, when The Office became super popular, it's like, hey, here's my investment of 20 minutes into a show. I can bang out 13 of these in a day and just not even really realize it. Yeah, it's it's definitely nice um, or, or somewhat dangerous, I guess, in a, in a way as well. Um, yeah, I mean, Party Down, like you were saying before about the sort of like joke per minute sort of era of sitcom where we kind of had, you know, I mean, a lot of it, again, started from 
SNL and just sort of the writers branching out and, and working together. And there's there's so many SNL roots in all of these shows, including Party Down. Um, yeah, it's 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 so fast. I mean, the script just it's so quick and so breezy and those episodes just move so quickly. And I, I think that definitely speaks to its value. I actually haven't gotten to watch the new season of Party Down yet. Um, I did recently watch the the first two seasons in preparation of at some point watching the new season. Um, and yeah, it's it it really is. And I know part of it rewatching some of these shows, especially when I know this is something that kind of maybe sometimes we we give a show more credit in retrospect when it happened to hit on casting as opposed to it being a very good show. Like I like Freaks and Geeks. I don't think Freaks and Geeks is nearly as good as people just want it to be because the people involved with Freaks and Geeks was so notable, if that makes sense. And I think Party Down could suffer from that, where it's just like, oh, well, look what everyone in this series went on to do after this series. Look at these guest stars. But it's still just the quality of the writing and the quality of the acting is fantastic. That show is amazing. I'm with you on Freaks and Geeks, and I think that Freaks and Geeks ended up with a much better reputation Almost almost like I said with the succession thing where it's going to go four seasons and people are going to be like, hey, I wanted more of that. And being canceled after a year that Freaks and Geeks is always going to live like, hey, what what could this show have been? Especially you said with the fantastic cast that it had. And I think that Freaks and Geeks was a bit more of a generational thing as well. Like older than me, probably by about 10 years, like reminiscing of the 80s in that way, hit a very particular kind of like, oh, almost the spectrum of Gen X versus anything. And for 20 years, like you know, most of the writers and critics and everything like that, and people who wrote about TV were of that demographic. So the show got overblown, at least I think, a little bit, because I always liked Undeclared more than I liked Freaks and Geeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it was just for our generation, a much easier show to... Uh, not sympathize with, but just just connect with. I mean, it was a college show. And again, another show that had a, a very notable cast. I mean, just that Apatow universe sort of vibe. Um, but I'm with you. I thought Undeclared was just a funnier show. I think maybe Paul Feig's involvement as well with with Freaks and Geeks just gave it a little bit more of like, not, not a drama necessarily, because obviously it was a comedy at its heart, um, but certainly more like, yeah, pulling at your your heartstrings, sort of trying to go for that nostalgia kick where Undeclared was just a funny show that happened to take place in a college. Like, not not trying to, like, talk on anyone's heartstrings with that. It was just exactly what it was, and it was quite funny. What do you make of trying to separate these shows into sitcoms? Because, like, the sitcom that we think of when we say best sitcoms don't exist anymore. There, I mean, the Scrubs episode where they did the three camera with a laugh track is kind of a hilarious send-up of these types of shows. But now it's all single camera. That basically came in, what, like 2000, 1999, whatever it might be. And it's been basically boxing out the three-camera sitcom. Like, the only three-camera sitcoms that are left are, like, all the Chuck Lorre shows. Like, I think, I don't know if Mom is still on the air, but that was one, Two and a Half Men Ran Forever. I'm sure there's just a whole bunch that I don't watch uh, that fall into that category as well, but it just seems like going to single camera was that way. So to break it up between, because you had mentioned... You know, there are older shows on here, but there's not any like really old, old shows. Like, how do you pick and choose? Like, is MASH a sitcom? And like, there's nothing yeah. from the 70s in terms of All in the Family or Taxi, that kind of thing. Like, the oldest one I can think is probably Cheers on this list. And then once you include Cheers, it should open up the door for a whole bunch of the other 80s ones. And that wasn't the case in terms of this particular bracket. That would we have been better off just taking Cheers off the list? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I mean, Cheers sort of stands alone. I think it is on the short list for a lot of people of just if you say what is the best sitcom of all time. And again, that's a that's a generationally stilted question. Um, people's answers are certainly going to vary based on how old they are. But uh, I think Cheers, if we were to do this where, you know, one side of the bracket was 80s, one, one section of the bracket was 90s, then you had like 2000s and everything past 2010. I think Cheers far and away would be like the 80s representative of the best sitcom bracket. So it's it's hard to exclude it, but I see what you're saying. It's it, it almost feels like because there wasn't, I don't know, like Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley and 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 kind of those 
70s representation that maybe just because again we're gonna have people voting on twitter and it's you know gonna be a younger demographic just based on the means with which we're doing this stuff um yeah it might have just been easier to kind of exclude anything prior to like 1994 and just kind of started at that point and and what do you think about the inclusion of cartoons into this because i think if we were to include some of these cartoons then we missed out on a bunch of cartoons that could have been on it yeah that is tough um i don't know i mean it's it would feel almost incomplete if you didn't have the simpsons and south park just in terms of like the longevity of those shows and how much they've defined an era of television but I, I see what you're saying. I mean, is is The Simpsons a sitcom? Um, I, I think at this point for me, and again, I'm someone who grew up where I don't remember, I don't have a version of my life where I've I've ever taken a breath and The Simpsons didn't exist. So it's just been so intertwined with what television is and with what comedy is that I almost don't really... I don't want to say I don't see the difference between real life and animation, but um, to me, it doesn't matter. Like I, I don't, I don't hold a, a live action show in a higher esteem than I would a comedy. Um, to me, it's just a different means of making a sitcom. So I think you have to include the animated shows. Um, you just, you do have to be a little selective because, you know, as we'll talk about with some of these snubs, you, you definitely have, I mean, like H John Benjamin essentially has his own, his own, like, Hall of snubs if we start going into uh, animated shows that have been excluded from this list. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's talk about some of the, let's start with the animated shows that weren't included. And I guess the, I mean, Venture Brothers is number one for me that had no chance of ever making the bracket anyway. But again, that's a show that it still might come back at this point. It's been like 20 years. It's technically been on the air. It has like eight seasons. No one watches this show, but it's fucking incredible. And it kind of speaks to what you said earlier about how if something is cult, that might as well be mainstream at this point, based on the viewership that a lot of these shows end up getting. So maybe uh, it will have a renaissance at some point. Another show that John H. Benjamin is involved with to a lesser degree than some of these other ones. Then you have, I thought that Futurama was the best of the rest that was left around. And again, that's probably coming back for the fourth time at this point. Archer, BoJack is probably the best show of the bunch. But, you know, a Netflix show that's, deeply sad and serious at the same time that it's not like ha ha funny uh and i mean i don't like rick and morty but i know that you do so would you throw that on as one of them too i mean i will say i i have sort of uh lessened my exposure to rick and morty not not like a conscious choice necessarily i just sort of you were told that you were becoming an incel so you had to stop watching yeah, exactly. I didn't I didn't want to get too creepy around other people. Um I, I enjoyed the first couple of seasons of Rick and Morty. Um in a weird way, and this is like a quick minute Dan Harmon take, I guess. Um 
I, I really enjoy Harmon's writing. I, I very much enjoy his sort of odd view of, of certain things and, and his want to sort of skewer pop culture tropes and things like that. And I think Community did it very well. I think in a weird way, having the restriction of a network sitcom as, and again, they there was animated episodes of Community. There was a bunch of weird stuff happening on Community. Like the least restricted network sitcom I think I can remember, but still obviously just from a monetary standpoint and from a, we have actual live people who need to shoot these things. I think that helped him a little bit. I, I think Rick and Morty is almost like, it's too galaxy brain at this point for me. It's just the first couple seasons are, are relatively reined in and for what they are anyway. Um, I think it gets a little too crazy for me to even follow at a certain point. And I, I kind of just, it was, it was too much for me. So, so I, I think Harmon is maybe best utilized when he does have a little restriction kind of holding him back. So to quote Jack Donaghy is you don't want to be one of the people trying to do whatever you need to have the guts to work with inside the box. Exactly. <laughs> As as we know, Alec Baldwin, never wrong. Yeah, never wrong. Ned has never done a terrible thing in his life. Uh, what else do we have? Archer was on here. Bob's Burgers. I never really got into Bob's Burgers. I kind of missed that wave. I, I think by the time that show came out, I was still just endlessly rewatching and even catching like new ones in syndication of American Dad, which I do love, which lost in the first round. I was very disappointed by that. Didn't realize that uh, Home Improvement was such a big hit amongst people. I was surprised though, because I, I I also like American Dad. I think American Dad is better than Family Guy. Agreed. Um, but I was surprised that American Dad made the cut. I'll say that. Like I didn't know it sort of had that 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 mass appeal. Which I are they still making new episodes of American Dad? I'm I'm, I'm sure they are. I have no idea, but I think by the voting of this bracket, it shows you that maybe it doesn't have that sort of appeal. <laughs> yeah. So I I mean, look, I I can understand that people you know, don't really, again, with the Simpsons not being the draw it used to be, I don't think there's as many people watching that Sunday block of animation comedy on Fox like they used to. Uh, but Bob's Burgers is fantastic. Um, Lauren Bouchard, who's the showrunner for that, um, had a couple other shows that, that people might know. I mean, I know Home Movies was on for a long time, another H. John Benjamin. Uh, he and Lauren Bouchard worked together a lot. Um, but yeah, Bob's Burgers is, is really... You know what? I would actually say it's the closest thing to The Simpsons from an animation perspective and a storytelling perspective that I can remember. Um, it's it's really built up like a small community of characters and secondary characters voiced by very funny people. Um, and at the the middle of it all, and this is this was really important to that sort of version of The Simpsons from you know the golden era it's still just so rooted in family and heart and like every storyline is grounded by the family um, that I really do think it's the closest thing we have to the Simpsons. Group. All right. I think that's all I get. Archer is your best. I mean, you can see the arrested development um, yeah. <laughs> kind of take from Archer where it's just joke, joke. And it's basically all of the, I wouldn't say all of the same voices, but a lot of the same voices appear in both those shows. It's kind of like Scrubs and Clone High in that way. Clone High also coming back. Oh yeah. Clone High is coming back. Is this what Lord and Miller are up again, to now? There's they're so like, many shows. We're, we're, we're so successful. We'll just bring back Clone High, a show which was yeah, exactly. literally watched by dozens of us. Uh, the trailer looked fun, though. I'm, I'm, I'm in. It's, it's sad not to see Gandhi there anymore, but that's, you know, what are you gonna do? I didn't, I didn't. Almost realize. brought down MTV, apparently. I didn't, I didn't realize that there was a trailer for it. Is Gandhi gone? Yeah, well, that was the whole. That was one of the whole issues. Was uh, like MTV was being threatened by, you know, I, I think like a lot of people in India to to not have <laughs> this like cartoonish depiction of Gandhi and. That, that was one of the major issues of the show was they were like, it was boycotted in, in a bunch of different places. And MTV was finally like, all right, <laughs> this show's not worth this. Uh, so yeah, there's no Gandhi in the new the new rendition. That's too bad. He was just trying to get high fives underneath the table. In that yeah, detail. just one. G-spot rocks the G-spot. It's tough. So more snubs. So those were the cartoon snubs that I think we went through. Like I said, BoJack is probably the best of the shows, but it's probably the least funny of the shows in a weird way and the one that will make you feel the yeah. worst. The The next thing that we had to get to was sort of the cable TV 
comedies, none of which are really sitcoms. Like, you mentioned Entourage. I didn't even really think about that. But we included some of them. Like, Curb is on this list, which it originally was not. And I, I had to tell Sia, like, people are going to be, like, mad when this isn't on. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's some of them that are left off. Like, yeah, whatever. They weren't going to win anyway. Like, I thought Curb was one that probably could have won and still may win this bracket. Like, it has a legitimate opportunity to do so. Leaving it off would be get people's, you know, grind their gears just a little bit. But... Flight of the Concords, Party Down is a star show that we talked about. I'm trying to think of, like, people were talking about, like, Shameless. I I feel like that's more of a drama than a comedy, and I don't like Shameless, so I wasn't going to make the case for it, but that's me. Yeah. Uh, what else do I have on here? I, I think Veep is the one. Veep or the Larry Sanders show, considering he put on the Gary Shandling show, and, like, Larry Sanders yeah. is iconic, but again, it's not a sitcom. It's just a comedy, just like... Veep, Veep feels more like a sitcom than Larry Sanders did. To me, anyway. I would agree. Um, I will say, when I was looking for snubs, I triple-checked the bracket. Being like, no, Veep has to be on here. I'm just missing it. Um, Shocking. I I could not believe that that Veep didn't make this list. I mean, I think, again, maybe you can kind of hold against the level of... You can hold... You can hold it a be. You can say that some of the accolades Veep got were maybe representative more of its era than the quality of the show itself. Oh, like it, it didn't I, have that much competition. I disagree. Uh, maybe okay. Maybe that what it was going against was a little bit different. But I think if you start stacking it up with like the all-time funniest shows, it's joke per second, and I, I can see why people don't like it because it's just mean. It is a mean-spirited show. Yeah, no, again, I'm I'm with you. I'm just saying that maybe if you are someone who's trying to keep it off this bracket, you can go, well, it was so highly regarded, but maybe it's just something had to be regarded in this era. And as we've talked about, there's less and less to sort of be excited about in the world of sitcoms as the longer we go into this. But, you know, Veep is fantastic. And I mean, I think Julia Louis-Dreyfus got her flowers for this show time and time again, whether it be from the critics or um you know the awards um and like you said it's it's just it's it's it hits so frequently and the jokes just come at you constantly and i i really do think too from a casting perspective like maybe it doesn't have some of the quote unquote like a list stars that some of these other shows have but you know even if you know even if you're not someone who considers like tony hale a household name if you're someone who enjoys you know, television comedy, you clearly know who Tony Hale is. Um, you know, Sam Richardson comes in, I believe in the second season. Uh, I'm a big Sam Richardson guy, whether it be Detroiters, which another show that definitely was never going to make this bracket, but I'll shout out briefly, love Detroiters. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a bunch of funny people constantly. I mean, the character of Jonah just in general, fantastic. Um, yeah, it's an amazing show. Looking back, I'm looking at the 2017 Emmy nominations of what Veep, Veep won that year for Outstanding Comedy. And here's what it was up against. Atlanta, which I really wouldn't consider a not comedy. A comedy. Not, not a comedy? I mean, it's funny at points, but I wouldn't classify it as a comedy. But it gets classified as a comedy because you know, it's a Donald Glover show. He's associated with yeah. comedy. It's like Masters of None was nominated that year, too. And I also would say it's like it's kind of funny, but it's not really a comedy. So Yeah, which again, I, I think this this speaks to sort of the conversation we were having with Succession, where it's like in a weird way, obviously Succession leans more into the prestige, so it's it's going to get away from the comedy awards, but by virtue of being a show that is funny at times, it might be one of the closest things we still have to a sitcom that's relevant. Silicon Valley was up that year. That's another one of the HBO shows that potentially could have been in this bracket. Uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt was up. Like I stopped watching that after like season two, so I have no idea what happened in that show. And then like Modern Family, which was the other juggernaut, but gets a one seed in this bracket, whereas Veep was just left off. Yeah, and Modern Family is a weird one for me. I I will admit I I have watched a lot of Modern Family. I have been um, I have been criticized for my Modern Family takes. <laughs> But this is the thing, it's like, I, I've watched it, but I, I would never, I would never feel passionately about it one way or the other. It's it's just such a easily digestible show. I mean, it's, it's, that to me is sort of like the friends of its time. It's, 
I mean, obviously it doesn't have a laugh track. It's a single cam comedy versus a multicam. So the technical differences are obvious, but it's just such fluff that, and again, it's funny, don't get me wrong, but I don't think, I don't think there's anyone in the world who's like modern family is my favorite show. If that makes sense. I see. I'm with you on that. It seems like more people like modern family than I would have expected. Cause it was the biggest show on TV for ages. So obviously people like it, but so was two and a half men. And it kind of fell into the same category to me. It's like, this is a show that you have on in the background. You don't need to stop it and start it at any point. You can just kind of jump in, laugh along, tune out, and completely forget what you just watched. And it's a perfect show for I that. Because you are going to laugh the entire time. Very funny show, but it doesn't stick with you. Yeah. The funniest thing about Modern Family is that Julie Bowen's in it. And anytime I see Julie Bowen, I just think of, happy look out, ah! which is the funniest line in movie history. So it gets laughs for me in that regard. But again, it's it's just... Like you don't you don't stay on television for nine years if you're not a good show and it's a good show, but for it to be a one seed was shocking to me. It's it's just such a interchangeable kind of show. It's it's sort of like the Big Bang Theory in that way. It's like there are people who who I mean I guess people legitimately love the Big Bang Theory, um and and would say it's their favorite show of all time, et cetera, et cetera. But it's it's just kind of something you just you toss on, I guess, and it, it sits in the background. You don't need to be following along in like any sort of sequential order for the episodes. They all kind of just bleed into each other. They're basically the same thing over and over and over again. I mean, again, it, it, it I don't want to come off like I dislike Modern Family. I like it. I think a lot of people like it, but I'd be shocked if you ever asked someone, hey, what's your favorite show? And they're like, oh, Modern Family. It's the best. It's not. It's fine. And I think that's where a lot of this gets twisted, is that if you criticize something, obviously you don't like it. That's not what I'm trying to say. I don't think that's what you're trying to say. And as it pertains to this bracket, I think there's different ways that you can look at this. Like, we're all going to vote for the shows that we personally like the best. Whether they're the best, whether they're the worst, that doesn't really matter. It's the ones that you enjoy the most are going to go on in this bracket. It's a popularity contest. But I think that people really have a difficult time differentiating between liking something and criticizing something those can be two separate things for example one of my favorite movies is southland tales it is objectively a terrible movie i would not recommend that anyone watch it because it, it's it's horrible but i love it and I, I i can tell you the reasons that i love it but you know we only have so much time on this show that's like a two-hour show for me maybe we'll do like a, a faux rewatch of that movie and i can describe to you every single thing that i love about it but just because you criticize something doesn't mean you don't like something and i think there's a big difference between liking something personally and thinking that it's actually good or elevated at the same time and i think we've just really lost that yeah i mean it's it's a world we now live in of absolutes it seems like you either love something or you hate it there's there's no gray area um but yeah i mean look like the the bracket modern family is in if you really want to break it down like modern family blossom spin city like i know i know people like spin city i, I, I love my I, parents I love spin city <laughs> i remember my parents watching it michael j fox a legend but like Spin City is one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. I mean, like I kind of have Spin City and Just Shoot Me is interchangeable in my see, head. I'm see, sure Spin City's better. That, that is, I think that came up in a part of a discussion we were talking about this. I think Adam Azer was on that show. That those two shows get conflated a lot. And just, Spin City is just a much better show. It's a Bill Lawrence show. Like it's really good. Uh, and yeah. you know, Michael J. Fox is awesome on it. And it's probably the best Sheen is on television. He's way better in Spin City than he is on Two and a Half Men, where he's basically just playing Charlie Sheen. And he is doing that in Spin City as well, but he's really good on it at the same time. Is that It's weird that those two shows get lumped together so often. I think because in syndication, they were sold together, so they always came on back to back. Yeah, and again, you have to, you have to remember, when I'm watching Spin City, I'm six, maybe? Seven? Well, that's the Frasier um, effect, too of people yeah. voting in this, that people are now at the age where Frasier would be a really good show mm -hmm. to watch. But when they watch Frasier, it's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I, I have vivid memories. My dad loved Frasier, so it was on all the time. I have vivid memories of not laughing at anything except the dad, just because he was grumpy, and I understood that. It's like, yeah, that guy's funny. He likes his chair and his dog. I understand these things. But, yeah, like... I don't know. Just something like Doogie Howser made this list. 
Again, I wasn't alive when Doogie Howser was a thing, but like that's one of the greatest sitcoms of all time? Really? I would think not. Looking back at more of these yeah. things that Veep was up against, uh, it, I forgot how many times it won Best Comedy. It's kind of crazy. But it was like, up against Louie one year. Like, Louie, not a comedy. Except for when David no. Lynch is on. Or that one Dane Cook episode. That was pretty funny. Uh, like Parks and Rec. Like, Parks and Rec is one that's... I feel bad for Parks and Rec in this bracket because, you know, it easily it easily beat Everyone Loves Raymond. Every, Everyone Loves Raymond is another modern family type show to me. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's actually... That's a perfect sort of conflict like that those two shows are are just the continuation of each other and it's basic having a family is funny isn't it like that's that's the entire conceit of both those shows yeah and i probably was too harsh with my words that i thought that modern family was just arrested development for stupid people but you know i stand by that (laughs) oh yeah i mean maybe those are too harsh of words because arrested development I mean, I think Arrested Development is going to beat How I Met Your Mother in the second round voting. At least I hope it does. I would hope so. Because I have Arrested Development coming out of that bracket. Because seasons one and two of Arrested Development, I would put up as, if we were to say the final four of the funniest two-year stretches of any show ever, like, it's just a banger after banger. Talk about, like, it's weird that it got put on Netflix, and it has those weird other seasons of Mm -hmm. it, which... It's funny that The Simpsons gets penalized for that, but I don't think that anyone would penalize the rest of development for those other seasons that it put out because it's like it, they don't exist. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I almost feel like so many people just did not care to watch it. So it's it's almost like it didn't happen. Um, but I mo- will say this but, about the later seasons. Well, I, I was going to say that Modern Family is a kind show. And I think that's why it resonates yes. so much with people. And Arrested Development is the polar opposite of that. Well, again, that's that's why I think Everybody Loves Raymond is such an apt comparison for it. It's it's just a show where it's like, again, I'm not I'm I'm not disparaging anyone on these shows, but it's it's like the whole conceit is just relatability. It's about yeah, having a family. Everyone can relate to having a family and how that creates tension and conflict, and how that conflict is funny, and how at the end of the day, we still love each other and we can we can tie up this narrative in a neat 22-minute bow and everyone's still happy and feeling fuzzy at the end of it, where certainly starting with Arrested Development, and I'm sure a lot of what was going on in HBO at the time, just a darker sensibility started to become the more popular, or maybe not popular, but popular with people I know and interact with, uh, sort of means of comedy. And then you go from Arrested Development to 30 Rock and Community. And it just, things get darker and funnier for all intents and purposes. Um, and, and Curb is obviously a big part of this too. Uh, and, and Seinfeld, obviously. And, but, the, and um, the Simpsons. Like the Simpsons-Seinfeld effect on those shows, I think you can draw a very... The Simpsons, the Simpsons definitely was was still at its core. And I think a big reason that a lot of people love The Simpsons is... For as dark as it got, it was still a show about a family that loved it, like that loved each other and that wanted to stay together. And maybe Arrested Development has that to some extent, although clearly the family hates each Like it's a different family dynamic, obviously. Well, and, and it's funny, the more we talk about this is that Succession is just very clearly the log- logical successor to Arrested Development. Yeah. Like it's the same, it's, yeah. the same, it's a, really the same show, the same conceit, except instead of going to jail, the, the George Bluth figure is just... Brian Cox, who like has an aneurysm or whatever the fuck he has, and someone needs to take over for him. It's true. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and just a bunch of idiot kids running around trying to be in charge. It's it's if HBO was given the scripts to Arrested Development. Yeah. Let's do a prestige TV take of Arrested Development. That's true. But I, I was gonna say, I, I actually don't mind season four of Arrested Development. Like, it's not a high bar because the other seasons on Netflix were just not great. But the first the first reboot season actually isn't terrible. Um, it's not as good as season three, which is a clear step down from seasons one and two, as you were saying. But season four of Arrested Development is still a good show. Like, we hold it against the first two seasons of Arrested, which is the highest caliber of sitcom there is. So it was obviously going to be penalized in that way. But if you put season four of Arrested against, like, season two of Modern Family, season four of Arrested is still funnier than that. Well, it's interesting because season four was the one that you can watch it in two different ways, right? You can watch mm-hmm. you can watch it like the character by character episode, 
Or I remember like watching it again, but it was a super cut of all those episodes into one, which was, which was actually way better because they felt like yeah. actual episodes. That was the one with the Job Entourage episode, right? Yeah. When he so got all was, the bee stings. Yeah, I believe what was happening with that was they could only they could only get the actors for a couple days, so they could. Th- there was one scene I think there was like a party at the Bluth house or, or Lucille's apartment. And that was like the two days they could get everyone together. But aside from that, they could only book actors for a couple days a week uh, and never at the same time just because of conflicting schedules. So they had to make it where you, you, we started off with a, a George Michael episode. Then we got a Michael episode. Then we got a Blue, or a, Go, or a Job episode. Then we got a Lindsay episode. So it was very like sporadic. And the whole point of Arrested is that these characters playing off each other and we just didn't get a lot of that, unfortunately, in that season. Well, and that's sort of the key point. I think why Modern Family was able to exist for so long and do well for so long is they were able to keep that cast together. And that just wasn't pl- like, the same reason that Party Down ended up folding. It's, I mean, no, it wasn't popular. And same as Rest of Development, it wasn't popular. But the whole popularity in hindsight, why people went back to it so often, why these shows came back, is because the entire dynamic of the show were these seven people all being together. And once you took that away, it just it wasn't a show anymore. It was very similar to what happened with Game of Thrones. And it's not like the people weren't still a part of the cast, it's just everyone got so spread out that the most fun that show was is when everyone, or at least four or five of the regulars were always together. And when you separate them all and throw them off into different sides of the world, now you have a singular view of what is going on through one character then you need new characters and you're not familiar with those characters and it's just hard to rebuild that back up when the core of the show is all these people being together at once yeah there's a reason that the highest regarded episode of the final season of game of thrones is the episode before the battle uh at winterfell with the night army where it's just these characters that we like who haven't been together in forever just sitting in the castle like eating and drinking and hanging out and talking like that was the best part of game of thrones is when like Tyrion gave a speech and like interacting with people like you know you you need to have those character dynamics and i think for arrest development maybe maybe the greatest example of that the first two seasons just like how really intricate writing and the ability to not only fire off a hundred jokes in a minute but the callback jokes of Arrested, like the, and I know shows before it had done this, obviously Seinfeld and The Simpsons to certain extents, but the way that Arrested rewards you for watching in sequential order and for remembering prior things, like just the payoff for some of those jokes. I mean, it as an audience member, obviously there's there's a level of enjoyment you get from a sitcom when it just makes you laugh. Like that's that's the first thing you're there. That's the whole reason these things exist. But understanding like certain callbacks and arrested it almost like gives you that little feeling of like oh i'm so smart like i i know exactly what they like it's it's just a pat on the back and it's a really interest like it's a very manipulative writing technique obviously but it's a smart one like it just it really rewards its audience for paying attention it does and it makes some of those jokes which you thought were jokes about one thing become jokes about another thing and you're like oh especially when you re-watch it again like oh this is you know, the fourth episode of the series and it's like oh yeah okay that is hilarious uh and that this is why that's hilarious because i've watched season two of this show at this point and just you would never get that by not watching it through i do want to talk about some more snubs there are two big ones that i most definitely would have had going on almost against whatever they were against and one of them is a favorite of mine. I don't know how well it would do thrown out to the general public. And again, this is personal preference versus criticism because I mean, critically it, it has a center performance, which is excellent. The show itself is kind of, eh. I've even went back and watched it. I'm like, I like this, but I can see why uh, this is no longer on the air. Very of the 90s. But I think it fits in well with this bracket where there's just a lot of 90s, three camera, laugh track sitcoms. It's Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, yeah. I mean, Third Rock's funny, and obviously John Lithgow's star power has grown exponentially since Third Rock. Um, I always laugh. There's a there's like a French Stewart joke in a second season episode of Community, and just like, did French Stewart do anything aside from Third Rock? Was was he ever anywhere else? He was in Inspector Gadget too when Matthew Broderick wanted to stop doing it. Right, he was. He was in that movie. And he was on, um, my, my wife watches Mom. He's on Mom with Kristen Johnson, 
whoever played Sally on Third Rock from the Sun. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, and then you have obviously um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, right? Um, yeah, I mean, again, a show that I have not rewatched since I was the age that I should have been <laughs> watching it initially. Uh, but I remember enjoying Third Rock from the Sun when I was 10, 11 years old, just watching it in, in syndication. Um, well, it just reminds I, me of again, like Home Improvement won in this bracket. I mean, the Cos- Cosby wasn't going to win because of Cosby, but it's in that similar vein of these 90s shows that you remember and you liked then. Do they hold up now? I mean, when I went back and watched Third Rock from the Sun, the answer was like, not so much. But Lithgow is still just a presence in that show. Well, actually, I mean, another show that I don't think is on this bracket that I'm just thinking of now because I know the writers of Third Rock from the Sun, the Turners, um, after Third Rock was over, they went on to write that 70s show. Which that, again, that lost in the first round of Friends. Oh, did it lose in the first round? Yeah, and I hate that show. I think that show is objectively bad. Okay, fair enough. Uh, just but just a, another show of its era, though, I would say. But you, I mean, people were very upset that it drew a 16th seed. They thought it was much better than that. And it sounds like you're in that camp too, that you like that 70s show. I do, I do like that 70s show. I wouldn't say that I'm upset it's a 16 seed. There, there are seedings in this in this uh, bracket that I that I have much bigger problems with. Um, no, I, I enjoyed that 70s show. Um, again, another show that maybe uh, just because of where some of the cast went afterwards, that that maybe it gets looked upon a little bit more fondly. And obviously, there's the reboot this year, so it's it's got a little cultural cachet right now, uh, which is maybe why people are sort of. Um, a little bit more up in arms uh, that it lost in the first round, but I I definitely like that '70s show, um, and I I watched it. But you know, these are other things that sort of happen where uh, we were kind of talking about this a little bit with Freaks and Geeks, where I obviously don't understand any of the nostalgia attached to that '70s show. However, I watched a majority of that '70s show with my dad, who was you know growing up in the '70s and loved that show a lot. So it could be one of those situations where I'm sort of just like more remembering the sort of like vibe I was getting with my dad while watching that show and interacting with that show than maybe enjoying that show just on its own merit. The other one, and this is where the Friends How I Met Your Mother kind of dynamic comes in. One of them's a one seed, one of them's a two seed. And you and I both had this on our biggest snubs list. It was actually my number one biggest snub because I usually go back and watch the entire series once a year. Do people just not know about happy endings or do they yeah. actively dislike it? Because it is an amazing show. They they have no idea. Pe- people just missed that show entirely. Um, which is interesting because it 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 has a very again, there there isn't a single person on that show where you're like, oh my God, what a star, what a household name that was starring in that show. But, you know, Damon Wayans Jr. has been in a a thousand things at this point. And, you know, funny enough, like another snub that was on my list um, was New Girl. Uh, So Damon Wayans Jr. cast on both these shows in a main role, uh, had to pick one or the other, picks happy endings, but is in the pilot for New Girl, is then written out of New Girl, but happy endings is canceled. So I guess it had three seasons. So I don't want to say it was canceled so quickly, but canceled quickly enough where Damon Wayans Jr. can then get written back into the fourth season of New Girl. Uh, So he ends up being a fixture on both those shows. But, you know, Elizabeth or or Eliza Coop, um, who was, you know, on Scrubs for a little bit. She's been in a bunch of other things. Casey Casey Wilson is now like my my wife listens to her reality Bravo breakdown podcast all the time. (laughs) So I get to listen to it as well. Pretty hilarious. Like the biggest the biggest star on the show is Alicia Cuthbert. Like coming into it, yeah. Like she was the recognizable. But, but is that thing. something that like, like, is that just us as Canadians, or is is she legitimate? Aside from twenty four, like, did she ever really have a? She, Alicia Cuthbert had a moment. Um, and, and again, another movie that you go back and look at and look at the cast, and you're like, oh my god, uh, is Girl Next Door. Oh, Girl Next Door with Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Uh, I think Olafant's in that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there's a I bunch think, of there's a bunch, uh, of, but she became like a. I know, it was the era of like Anna Kornikova and like that, you know, like 19, 20 yeah. year old hot blonde. Uh, like it seemed like she was going to be the next big thing. And her turn on this show is so good. Oh yeah. She's fantastic. And, and she has to actually play like a bit of a complex character because the whole conceit of the show to anyone who's never seen it 
is you know it's it's that friends-esque setup of like okay if we're if we're all a group of six friends long enough inevitably two of us are going to get hitched but what if that person what if one of the people leaves the other one at the altar the day of the wedding and then tries to get back into the friend group after that Uh, and she has to kind of play this character that for at least the first five or six episodes you're supposed to not like and then she kind of has to win you over throughout the course of the first season and she does because she's just so charismatic and lovely and funny in that show. Yeah, that that show is great. I I I remember even um David Caspi who was the showrunner of Happy Endings. He was the guy chosen to be the replacement showrunner on Community when Dan Harmon left for the fourth season. Uh that did not work out, but I remember having high hopes cuz I'm like, "Oh, I love Happy Endings. That show's great." I think they actually aired some of the episodes out of order as well. Mm-hmm. I think it was on ABC, weirdly enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that probably didn't help it. When I watched it on Amazon, like on a rewatch, I think it had the had the episodes out of order as well. I was like, what is going on here? Like, I feel like I didn't see this or I've already seen this. Like, this has already happened. So that probably doesn't help any run of a show. It's just like when Arrested Development got pushed to Friday nights. Like, yeah, here are the rest of the episodes. Okay, and I'll see you later. Uh, yeah. last two, I suppose, because these are both on your list. Most definitely not. One was on your list. One was not, but I guess, uh, two Canadian shows that people like letter Kenny is one of them. Trailer park boys is another one. I mean, I hate both these shows, but that's just my bias. Like I've trailer park boys is shot or was originally shot in the town that I am lived next to growing up. Uh, it all hits way too close to home. And maybe it would be funny if I didn't know these people of my real life who I really don't like, um, but I do. So it's a problem. Yeah, I was a little too young for the original run of Trailer Park Boys. I, I do know people who love it. Um, Letter Kenny is interesting. I I definitely, when I first saw the trailer for that show, I wrote it off immediately as just a dumb... Can- like, And this happens a lot. There, there's very rarely a Canadian show that's good. Um, there's a reason that most of our, our media is we just steal from the States. Um, but you know what? It's for a show that definitely knows how dumb it is. And, you know, again, maybe this is like, you need to, or maybe not considering your interaction with trailer park boys, but I, I do think letter Kenny's the mileage you get with that show can vary depending on whether or not you know any people who grew up in small towns and it doesn't have to be small town ontario necessarily um but you know we we had a former co-worker uh hundo P. hundo P. yeah um, I, I like hundo P enough but i had enough of him in my real life i need to watch a show yeah. about him and people like him sure but you know there's a certain level of enjoyment that you can get from watching these characters being like that is a very realistic depiction of some of these people from these places but it's actually a very well-written show. I mean, or or in the sense it, it takes pretty big swings, swings that I was not imagining it would take. Like for a show that's as much about like drinking and fighting as Letterkenny is, there are entire episodes that are written in specific styles or like um, where they attempt uh, just to have like the next line always starting with the next letter of the alphabet or like just very interesting, subtle things that like they do in particular segments of episodes where I'm like, huh, I would not expect a show like this to like try to be as linguistically complex as they attempt to be on certain episodes. And it's definitely a show where some days I I don't care at all for it. Then maybe like one day a month, I'll be like, wow, I'm going to watch a couple episodes of Letterkenny. Um, and I know it, it did have a little bit of crossover into the States uh, a couple years back. So I'm not even sure how big it ever got in the U.S. market. I don't know if anyone has even heard of it uh, if you don't live outside or live in Canada. But um, definitely a show I just wanted to shout out briefly is one that I think is a lot more intelligent when you watch it versus what you think it is just by ingesting like a preview for it. So do you think I need to give it another chance? No, I think if you've watched it and you don't like it, it's fine. Um, I just think it's definitely for a show that's as much about like locker rooms in hockey arenas as it is, it's, it's written at least in a stylistically interesting way. Okay. Well, I think that will do it on 
the Pat Mayo Experience. Round two of the best sitcom brackets. Today we talked about the snubs, but you can vote in round two of the bracket in the link in the description of this podcast and video. Uh, that'll be up for a week, and then we'll reconvene with someone else to talk about the rest of it. Garyan, it was nice having just you know one-on-one time with you. Yeah, and I'm glad we we figured out um, you know the origins of Succession, and maybe I'll have to go watch the pilot of Succession for a fifth time. I watch, you know how it goes. I watch it the other day. I started watching season one again. I need a new shoe. I, I watch shows when I do like incline walk on the treadmill now. You know, I'm getting old. Knees can't take it anymore. I gotta do some walking instead of running. So I'm just, you know, I bang through like old seasons of the challenge. So that was fun. Then I ran out of seasons to watch. So now I started watching this again uh, when like PGA isn't on or sports isn't on. Uh, and it's a slow burn, the first few. Like, I think it's like, it's, it's a lot like people talk about The Wire in that way too. Like you get to a certain episode of The Wire and it clicks and you're like, oh shit. And then you're in. Succession. It's not as dramatic as that, but there is an episode that you're watching. You're like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, I've heard that. Breaking Bad was a little bit that way too. Um, Which shows shouldn't shows shouldn't be like that, by the way. Shows should be good from episode one, and it sucks that you have to be like, no, 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 you have to wait through like the 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 down episodes, then we get going. But it is, I think it's worth the investment. I don't know if anyone else does. I I assume that the media would have you believe Succession (laughs) is the most popular show of all time, which I can tell you by the ratings, not the case. Yellowstone, well, way more popular. <laughs> Maybe I'll just watch the old season of the challenge like you. That sounds like a great idea. It's great, man. You can bang those out so quickly, especially like when like Inferno Two era when they're only like twenty two minutes long instead of an hour long. Oh, Chef's kiss on that. Follow Gary and at Gary and Thorn on Twitter. Maybe we'll have you back to talk about baseball at some point, huh? Ooh, Ooh. don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah. You have to catch me up. Give me like power rank your 10 things Pat needs to know about baseball because I have not been paying attention whatsoever. Maybe that's a show for the future, but you can find all of Garyan's work at DK Nation over on DraftKings at Garyan Thorne on Twitter. And of course, randomly popping up throughout the year on the Pat Mayo experience as well. Thank you all for watching. Smash the like on the way out. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo experience. Experience. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.